If you have your Bibles, I want to read several portions of Scripture to begin with. First, open to the first epistle of John, the second chapter. The first epistle of John and the second chapter. And then we'll look at some other scriptures. I think you can follow me pretty well, your Bibles. But John, first John, first epistle of John and the, the, the second chapter. I'm going to read the 20th verse first. First John, chapter 2, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now look at the 27th verse. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. Then I want you to notice 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and the 21st verse. Now he which stablished us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Then I want you to turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Luke's gospel. The fourth chapter of Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to begin to read with the 14th verse. If you don't have your Bibles, write these verses down and look them up and read them later. Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, we begin to read with the 14th verse. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up far to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or that is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, or that is Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias or Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, 
a city of Sidon unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Now then notice also Acts the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. Acts 10, 38. Here Peter is preaching, you remember, down there at Cornelius, Cornelius and his household. How God anointed. How God anointed. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now then I want you to notice another verse from the New Testament and then one from the Old and then we'll begin our discussion. I want you to notice in John's Gospel, the Gospel according to St. John and the third chapter the third chapter and the 34th verse of the gospel according to St. John. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Now then I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the 10th chapter because we're talking about the anointing. Isaiah, the 10th chapter, and the 27th verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I don't know about you, but I've already preached me happy. <laughs> Glory to God. Just talking about it. Just reading about it. Now, I want to talk about the anointing. I want to divide it into three sections. The individual anointing. The ministry gift or gifts anointing. And the cooperative anointing. Now, first of all, John, in this letter, in 1 John 2, is writing to believers. You'll notice that he says, but ye have an unction. Actually, in the Greek, it's the same word that's translated anointing in the 27th verse. And so, in the 27th verse, he said, ye have an anointing. I want you to know, notice that that anointing abideth in you. Hallelujah. It is an anointing of the Holy Ghost, or it's also called the Holy Ghost. You'll notice the text we read there in John, speaking of Jesus, said that he had the Spirit without measure, inferring that we as individuals have the Spirit by measure. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced, though you couldn't prove it by the Bible, but you can't, still can't disprove it either, that 
as the body of Christ as a whole, we have the same measure of the Spirit that Jesus did. But that is we as an individual, members of the body of Christ, do not. I'll get back to that in a moment. But there is an anointing of the Holy Ghost that abides within every believer, minister or not, every believer. That anointing is there to help us to pray, to help us, especially, you see, not only born of the Spirit, but filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Help us to be witnesses. Jesus said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses. He said to the disciples, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And that endowment of power is available to every believer. Praise God. And that anointing is in us to help us to pray, to help us to witness, and to help us to teach us. You know, he speaks here about teaching us. Well, now, he doesn't mean that we don't need teachers, you know. The Holy Ghost is not going to contradict himself. He said, you need not that any man teach you. But did you ever stop to think about a man teaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is not man teaching us something. Amen. Isn't that right? It's the Holy Ghost teaching us. But see, you have the Holy Ghost in you to help you to know whether a person is teaching or what he's teaching is right or not. It, it, it amazes me. I'll be honest with you. I'm appalled sometimes at born-again, spirit-filled people, Pentecostals, uh, how, how, how gullible they are. I remember I was teaching, preaching in a certain place, and, and here was a man that I'd known for years, a Bible teacher. Thirty-five years, a Bible teacher. And, and renowned as a Bible teacher. Well, now, I don't mean that he was out here in full-time ministry like some of the rest of us, but yet he, he was a Bible teacher. And he had a weekly class in his city. Well, here some fellow came to town, you know, teaching certain things. I don't know. Well, right at first he wasn't. But anyway, I never did hear the fellow teach. But I remember one time right here in the city of Houston, he came into one of my meetings and instantly in my spirit. In fact, my wife and I went away and my wife said, something wrong with that fellow. His spirit's not right. You see, I'm amazed how folks don't know. Yet they should have the Holy Ghost in them to teach them. Are you listening to me? And so this fellow, when I came along, he was telling me, you know, how that his Bible study group, he had a weekly Bible study group in this city, was absolutely devastated and destroyed. Because he went to these services, you know, that this fellow teaching, and he encouraged them to go, and uh, his folk to go, and they went, you know. And then after a while, he said, well, there's a few things, you know, and of course we don't see just every little thing eye to eye, and I ignored it. But finally, said, he got off on something one night, and I just went up to him afterwards and said to him, now I've gone along with something, but boy, I can't go along with that tonight. You'll have to give me chapter and verse. And this man said, oh... You won't find what I'm teaching in that thing. Pointed to the Bible, that thing. Oh, I'm way out beyond that. So deep in the Lord. Yeah, he's way out in left field and possessed of the devil. Are you listening to me? Brother, you get out beyond the Bible, you're out too far from me. Then, of course, he's going to pull his group out, but now then some of them's already hooked. The devil's deceived them. Now, here was what was amazing to me was that there was a young lady, I know that fellowship with my wife and I, in fact, we had a meal one day, and she was a brand, in fact, she didn't even have the baptism, got the baptism of the Holy Ghost during my meeting. And this young lady said to us, you see, just a young Christian now, just been saved a few months, I went one time, something on the inside of me told me not to go anymore. Now, here was a Bible teacher that was taken in, here was a young convert that listened to their spirit. Are you listening to me? 
Oh, if we could just get people to learn to listen to the spirits, what a difference it would make. And, and, and she wasn't disturbed, you see, because the Spirit of God told her, don't go, don't go. That's what he meant when he said the anointing's in you. Well, that individual anointing's there. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time there. You could, you could, you could preach for a week about that. You know, you could go over here to 1 John 4. 4, where he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Glory to God. And just stay there for a little while. Camp there for a little while and it would bless you. You could go back over to, to 2 Corinthians, you know. Uh, the 6th chapter, the 14th through the 16th verse. And get down to that 16th verse where he said, as God has said, I'll dwell in them. I'll walk in them. Hallelujah. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Praise God. And thank God that's true concerning every single one of us. But the main part that I want to get to is this now. There is an anointing that comes upon those whom God has called and separated unto the ministry. That's, that's a different yet. It's the same spirit, but it's different yet than that anointing that abides within every believer. The anointing to stand in the office. Now in the Old Testament, you see the priest was anointed to stand in that office. The prophet was anointed by the Holy Ghost to stand in that office. The king was anointed by the Holy Ghost to stand in that office. The Holy Ghost came upon him to anoint him, to stand in whichever particular office that he's called to and separated unto. Now, David was both king and prophet, you know, the Word of God tells us, and so on. But, uh, and it's the same spirit, but it's a different anointing. Now, here in the New Testament, the Bible tells us about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. The Bible tells us, if you'll read also in the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians 28th verse, and Romans the 12th chapter, 6 through the 8th verse, some other ministries that's added to these main pivotal ministries. And, and the anointing will come upon you to stand in that office. I remember I began my ministry as a young Baptist boy preacher. Well, I wasn't baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, but I was born of the Spirit, and I had the witness of the Spirit within me, but the anointing would come on me to preach. Oh, yes, the anointing would come on me to preach. Hallelujah. And I remember one time out there in that little old country Baptist church, I was preaching. I'll tell you exactly what my text was. In fact, I can tell you the text of the first sermon, give you that line, every priest. Hallelujah. I have a pretty good memory. And so I was preaching one Sunday night, evangelistic type sermon on, from James, you know, where James said, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. And so I was preaching on that. I'd been preaching about 15 minutes or so, you know, and, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. When the power of God came into that room, that church auditorium, and filled it, I mean, like a crowd. I could not see one single member. I couldn't see people. I, I was in that thing. I could hear the sound of my voice, but it didn't know one word I said. It couldn't distinguish any word. And I, I know I looked at my watch. I'm a great one to look at my watch. The Bible said to watch and pray. And, and so, uh, and so uh, for 17 minutes, and then that anointing just began to, to go away. And I could see the first row of seats, the second row of seats, and the third, the people on them, you know, until finally just like a crowd lifted from the whole group, you know. And, and, and so then I was back to normal. And I didn't know what I'd said for the last 17 minutes. I looked at my watch, so I just said this all by our heads and prayed and gave the invitation. Because I didn't know where to hook on at or what to say now. <laughs> and so after I gave the invitation, you see... I said to afterwards to one of the gentlemen, I'd go out there in the country, you know, and stay over the weekend and preach, you know. And I remember uh, uh, Mr. R.O. Cox was a leader of the community and a fine Methodist man. 
Uh, and, and so I said to him, Mr. R.O., he's 89 years of age. Was, was there anything different about that last part of my message, you know? He said, uh, uh, why? I said, well, I just wondered. I mean, about the last 17 minutes. Really, I was preaching about 34 minutes altogether. For the last 17 minutes, was there anything different about it? Well, he said, what do you mean? Well, I said, did, did everything I said, did it fit in with the rest of the message all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I said, was anything different about it? He said, well, why? I said, well, you tell me if there was, and then I'll tell you why. Well, he said, the only thing was, said, people's been talking about it all over the community. Said, seemed like your face just shone, didn't look like you. You look like the face of an angel. And then I told him about that. I said, I don't know one word to say for that last 17 minutes. The anointing was upon me, so the glory of God, the anointing. See, that's all the Holy Ghost, the anointing, glory, cloud. Praise God. It, 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 and I said, I don't know one single word to say. <laughs> and he said, well, people all over are talking about it. Well, now, that never happened to me anymore for two or three years. I mean, that's strong anointing. Though I would be anointed to preach, you see, then I was baptized, though, to go spoke to other tongues. Received the left fellowship from among the Baptists, came over among the full gospel. And I was pastor of a little church, you know, in the black land of north central Texas. And one Sunday night again, you see, about three years after this had happened, here I am just preaching away. Tell you exactly what it's preaching on. And I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was it was the second Sunday night of nineteen thirty-nine. So that would be September the tenth, nineteen thirty-nine. And I was preaching on the 21st chapter of Matthew. Luke, Luke, and then the 24th chapter of Matthew, excuse me. And so I was speaking, preaching on prophecy, you see. And the anointing came upon me. And I don't know for my life what I said. When I came to myself, I couldn't see anybody, just like a cloud filled the house. I couldn't see anybody. Not one single person. Just like you'd ever get in a dense fog, that's what it was like, you see. Couldn't see anything. When I came to myself, I was down here off of the platform, out of the pulpit. Now, now that was only, that's the first time that I'd ever done that, you see. See, I, I started out as Southern Baptist. And I never got from behind the pulpit. You remember, John? When, when you preach, you know. In fact, see, I'd had the Baptist in the Holy Ghost a couple of years. My wife and I married, and, and, and she said, I believe you could preach standing in a wash pan. <laughs> Anybody know what a wash pan is? Well, so many don't. The Bible said, let him that's ignorant be ignorant still, so we'll, we'll just leave you. Now, I better straighten that up, you know. You know, before we all had running water, you know, we just have a little old pan, you know, put water in, wash your hands, you know, just about this big around, you know. And she said, I believe you could preach because I never moved, you see. You know, we're trained that way. I never moved from behind the pulpit. Never moved. I stood right here. She said, you could preach standing in a wash pan. I never moved from behind the pulpit, either this side or that side, you know, just make my points just so, so, you know, just, amen, you know. Yes, sir. I, I was still bound with a whole lot of that, you know. But, uh, but here the glory came down, and when I came to myself, see, I don't know one single word to say For about 15 minutes, I was in that cloud, didn't saw anybody, nothing. I, I came to myself, I'm down off of the platform, walking around the altar. And I got so embarrassed, my face just got hot and red, you know, I'm not used to that. I run back up on the platform, got behind the pulpit, and said, <laughs> amen, and, and said, let's pray, and gave the invitation. And you know what happened? Every single sinner in the house came and got saved. We had a revival that one night. We had 20 baptized in the Holy Ghost that night. Don't sound big now. 
But, oh, brother, you go back to 1939, I've seen whole revivals. We had a half a dozen, saved three baptized the Holy Ghost, thought we had a landslide. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth. That's the truth, isn't it, Brother Sumrall? I'm talking about 1939, but we had 20 baptized with the Holy Ghost that one night. That one night. I'll tell you, everybody didn't have the Holy Ghost. The baptism was baptized, and everybody's lost, and every, every backslider got back to God. Praise God. Well, it wasn't that, I, that, that my preaching that did it. It was the anointing. Hallelujah. I was a preacher. I was a preacher. I liked to preach. Hallelujah. And, and I was anointed to preach. I got anointed to preach on his Baptist. I got anointed to preach and I've been to some Pentecostal. The same anointing would come upon The only difference is that it's a little stronger, you see. Hallelujah. With more power. Glory to God. And so I preach. I'm strictly a preacher. Oh, I thank God for that anointing to preach. Hallelujah. I, I like that. Once in a while I preach yet. I'm primarily a teacher, but I, I preach yet. I, I can feel it coming on me sometimes. Ooh, I like it. Hallelujah. Now, if, if you want to hear me preach, if you'd get to the top, I'm sure Roy's got some of those, if you'll get that sermon El Shaddai, man, you know, I just don't hardly stop to get my breath. See, when I preach, even as Baptists, before I got the Baptist, you know, those my Baptist church, I'd preach so hard and fast, they'd say, slow down, slow down, slow down. We don't get half of what you say. Man, I just go in after it. As we say here in Texas and Oklahoma, tooth and toenail. And I love that anointing. And not once in a while, that anointing will come on me yet. It's different. It's different. But it's, it's the Spirit of God. And I like that. Sometimes I'm just sitting there waiting for him to turn to serve. And suddenly I feel that anointing coming on me. Well, see, I've got the anointing of the Holy Ghost in me all the time, as any believer would have. But this is anointing to preach. And that's when I preach that. But I don't preach so much anymore. I, I mostly teach. But I like that preaching anointing. Boy, I love it. Yes, yes. It, it just feels different. It's more exuberant. Hallelujah. You notice Jesus said, the spirit of the, he read from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach. Hallelujah. Thank God for the anointing to preach. Amen. And from 1934 till 1943, that's nine years, I was strictly a preacher. I mean, I pastored most of that time, part of the time we had field ministry. But even on Sunday, I never taught the people. I was not a teacher. I was a preacher. And I loved to preach. But one afternoon, a Thursday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, in the month of June, in the year of 1943, at about 3 o'clock or 3.30 in the afternoon, in the parsonage, of the little full gospel church in the black land north central Texas where I was pastor. I, uh, I, I was taking a nap and you know I woke up and I was dry so I went uh, out of our bedroom across another bedroom and across the living room into the kitchen and got me a drink of water. I came back. I had been meditating on the things of God. I came back out of the kitchen started to cross the living room. I got right in the middle of the living room floor and God dropped something down on me and in me. Well, I could feel it go down there. In those days, you could make a telephone call for a nickel. See, we're still on, on Depression Day. You know, they froze all prices and everything during the war. The war was on, World War II, see. And it just clicked down on the side of me, and I stopped dead still and said, what is that? And I knew just as much as you. I said, that's a teaching gift. The anointing to teach came on me. 
And so I remember that we had a little prayer group in my church, about a half a dozen ladies, never over eight of them, including my wife, would come on Wednesday afternoon to the church and pray. People would turn requests into them and so on. And I'd usually meet with them. I never remember me, me, uh, missing but twice. Uh, uh, you know, something come up. But I would always meet with them and we'd just pray. We'd pray over requests that come in, pray over about the church and the services and, and for a couple of hours on Wednesday afternoon. Well, I don't know about you, but if I ever receive anything from God, ministry, gift or whatever, I, I want to prove it out first. The proof of the puddings in the eating, you know. Prove it out first. Just don't go broadcasting, I got this and I got that. I mean, you know. And so, I never said a word. I just continued to preach on Sunday morning, preach Sunday night, preach Wednesday night. See, even though Wednesday night Bible study night, I preach because I'm not a teacher, I preach. And Saturday night we had service and I preach. And so, I said to these ladies, a half a dozen of them, never over eight of them, including my wife, I said, uh, now we... Uh, uh, we pray a couple hours. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's take an hour of Bible study here, and then we'll pray for an hour. And so I began to teach them. Man, I didn't know it was possible. I didn't know it was possible. You see, uh, 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 we hadn't been taught. I mean, you know, we didn't know too much. We got saved and got baptized the Holy Ghost. I think they thought you got it made. You got the baptism. They just thought it turned you loose. I didn't know you could stand there in one spot and just teach the word and the anointing would be so strong upon you. Man, I thought you were supposed to be hollering top of your voice waving your arms like a windmill and spitting cotton. <laughs> you know. But I mean, just standing there with a handful teaching them the word, the anointing would come upon me so strong I couldn't stand it. I'd have to say, Lord, turn it off. I can't stand it. We never even invited anybody to come. But these ladies went home, told their husbands, told others, and others started coming. Their husbands started taking off from work until on Wednesday afternoon we'd have more than did Wednesday night. It wasn't even an out service. Finally nearly filled the building up on Wednesday afternoon. People coming. And it wasn't even an out service, see? But we were proving the gift out, you see, proving it. And then we began to teach. Well, thank God for the teaching anointing. Now, it's a little different, but it's still the same spirit. It's the same spirit that anoints you, whatever he calls you to do. Amen. Isn't that right? Thank God for that preaching anointing. I love it. Like I said, I, I wish it'd come on me more often. But it don't. And I don't control that. But then thank God for that teaching anointing. It's a, it's a little different anointing. But it's, it's, it's the same Holy Ghost. Now, realize this. Jesus, it said here, had the Spirit without measure. Actually, he stood in all five offices, these five main ones, the apostle. You see, the Bible said in Hebrews 3.1, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. The Greek word translated apostle means a sent one, and certainly he was a sent one, wasn't he? And then secondly, he stood in the office of prophet. You, we just got through reading here in the fourth chapter of Luke, that he called himself a prophet, didn't he? Thirdly, he stood in the office of evangelist. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. Hallelujah, the good news. That's the evangelist's office. He stood in the office of teacher because the Word of God, we just got the reading, he went in the synagogue and taught. You go through the New Testament and underline teaching or taught, you'll find he did more of that than anything. And then fifth, he stood in the office of pastor. You see, he said, I am the good shepherd. The same Greek word translated pastor is translated shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. Peter calls him the chief shepherd or pastor. The shepherd 
is the pastor or shepherd of the sheep. Praise God. So then, of course, he had all these anointings, so to speak, combined to stand in all of those offices. Well, thank God I had the, the anointing to preach and then the anointing to teach. It's a different, but thank God for that anointing. Thank God for that anointing. And so I taught. I taught. I continued to preach and teach. Paul said, writing to Timothy, that I am an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher. Hallelujah. Unto the Gentiles. Glory to God. So I, I continued to preach and to teach. But then thank God for the anointing of the prophet. It's different yet. It's still the same Holy Ghost, but it's a different anointing yet. Sometimes I'm just sitting there waiting to teach, and I feel that spirit. I'm not talking about the spirit to prophesy, you see. Every believer could prophesy. The Bible teaches that. The Bible said you may all prophesy one by one. And in talking about spiritual gifts or manifestation, he said to desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Isn't that right? Well, he's not going to tell you to desire something that's not available to you. The simple gift of prophecy is speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And, and so, you see, uh, uh, just to prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. It's the Spirit, however, you see, within you that, that, that anoints you to, uh, to prophesy. But yet, the ministry gift, there's, there's an anointing to stand in that office. Sometimes I'm sitting there, you see, before I take the service, I'm ready to teach you something, and suddenly I sense or feel that anointing, the prophetic anointing. When I say prophetic, I'm talking about the office of the prophet moving upon me. It's a different thing. It's deeper, much deeper than the anointing just to prophesy. Thank God for it. Are you listening to me? See, you can stand in more than one office. But you need to find out where you are and what your office is and yield to that and God will use you in, and you will excel in your calling. I think in the ministry a lot of times that we try to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. You understand what I mean by that expression? In other words, we try to do so much, you know, and the anointing's not there to do it. I remember something that Brother Howard Carter said. I'd read after Brother Howard Carter for years in different periodicals, and, and always if I could find something that he wrote, I, I'd read it first, because he's a great man of God and a great teacher, you see. And, but I never knew him personally. And, and so one time I was preaching here in South Texas, holding a meeting, and the pastor said to me, we didn't have any Saturday night service, Brother Carter speaking over at such and such a church there, and he was there, had service every night because he was just there for about a week. And so they're going to have a Saturday night service. Oh, would you like to come and go along with my wife and I? So we went. And so after the service is over, because we didn't get there in time to meet him at time, then I met him, shook hands with him. Now at that time, he was, uh, oh, you know, around 70. He lived to be 80-something before he went home to be with the Lord. And so I, I remember we were talking after the service then. The pastor that I went with, myself, the pastor that Brother Carter's preaching, where he's preaching, and... Uh, and uh, and Brother Carter, we four ministers, we were standing here talking and a lady evidently had got her small child out of the nursery and she came up and said, Brother Carter, would you pray, you know, for the healing of this child, you know, it had been sickly for two or three days. Well, now, Brother Carter didn't know me. I didn't know him. He didn't know what we did or didn't do. 
he had been preaching there for that preacher. But he said, uh, you know, he didn't marry until he was about 67, I think, wasn't he, brother? Something like that, brother. Some a good close friend is. He went with him in around the world. And so uh, he said to him, to this lady, go get my wife to lay hands on her, on the child. He said, you know, uh, God doesn't use me much along that line. But nearly everybody she lays hands on gets healed. And nearly everybody I lay hands on gets baptized the Holy Ghost. That's a good combination, isn't it? And I'd seen him that night back in, oh, he took 19 people back here into a side room and just said a few words to him and laid hands on him and all 19 of them, just, just like he snapped your finger, just like that, just begin to speak a tongue minute, touch them. He said, that's my minute. That's where my anointing is. Her anointing is to lay hands on the sick. Well, this lady went to look up Sister Carter then. And, and, and so then he said to us, you know, of course, you know, I would have prayed in faith for it. But you see, if somebody's anointed to minister that way, then it's a whole lot better. You get results quicker. Are you listening to me? He could have prayed the prayer of faith. Any one of us could have prayed the prayer of faith. Just laid hands. Laying hands belongs to all of us, you see, in faith, to lay hands upon people. But what is he recognizing? Brother Carter's recognizing that in the ministry, some of us are anointed to do this, some anointed to do that, and if we'll excel where our anointing is, we'll be a greater blessing to the body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. We need one another. Praise God forevermore. I'll tell you, I praise God for every ministry. I praise God for every ministry. Anointed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about somebody, just something, you know, that don't amount to anything. I'm talking about every ministry. Called of God and anointed of the Holy Ghost. Praise God forevermore. I remember a number of years ago, when I first came over in Pentecostal circles, and I can realize, you know, some of you folks in denominational background can understand some of this, and I remember evangelist, an older man. Now, he was in his 60s. I think about 65, I think, when I first, well, 63, and I first became acquainted with him. And, and, and so he's coming to my home full gospel church. You see, I'm pro preaching all right. In fact, I'm pastor at another place when he came. But I'd come back down there to visit the service, you know, because this pastor talked about him, you know. And this fellow is strictly an evangelist now. He, he just preached the good news. Jesus saves. That's just about as far as he went. His, 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 some of his family, grown children, were singers and excellent singers. I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it before. I've never seen anything like it since then. He preached. And then he turned and said to his daughter, strike up a tune and started dancing. Now, he just started dancing in the flesh, the natural. But you could see it. The Spirit of God would hit him. The Spirit of God would hit him. Man, when the Holy Ghost hit him, you talk about a fellow taking off dancing. And I sat there the first time. I thought, oh my, I hid my face. It's embarrassing. Oh, Lord God, it's time to give the altar service and have the men's dancing. They, they, they won't anybody get saved. He danced for a little while, give the altar call, and it started streaming down every aisle. Then I sat there and wept and said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Amen. I, I, and you know what? Different church I pastored. I, I had him every church I pastored. And you know, you'd think a fellow, you know, dancing them in the altar. You think, well, now he might reach a few folks who don't amount to anything, but but he had reached the, he had reached. I mean, I, I saw it in his meeting. I saw uh, lawyers get saved, bankers get saved. One place, the mayor of the town got saved. Another place, the judge, leading judge, got saved. He danced them into the altar. 
the anointing was upon him. You could see it. You could see when it come on him. The whole crowd could see it. Hallelujah. Well, if God wanted to use him that way, what business is it of mine? I mean, he got results. He got people saved. At that time, you get more people saved than I was. I'm telling you, we don't need to turn our nose up at anything God's doing. Amen. If it's bringing blessing to people and getting them saved and baptized, the Holy Ghost, thank God for it. I read in the Old Testament one time where God used a donkey. Well, praise God, I always got great blessing from that. I thought, well, if he could use a donkey, surely he could use me. Amen. Isn't that right? Praise God. But you can see the anointing come on him. I never did know Smith Wigglesworth. I, I mentioned last night, I read, you know, if somebody gave me every increase in faith, and I, I wore the backs off several of those books just to read them. And Brother Sumrall knew him as a as young man. In fact, he laid hands on Brother Sumrall. But a fellow told me, an older gentleman there in Los Angeles asked me because I mentioned him quite frequently. Do you ever know Wigglesworth? I said, no. He said, sometimes. See, Wigglesworth had no education. You'll, you'll see that, you know, in his book. He said he never went to school a day in his life. You know, started working. In his life story, you know, that Brother Frodsham wrote, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, Apostle of Faith. Started working in a factory there in England when he was six years old, see, before they had child labor laws and so on. And, and so this gentleman, an elderly man, a number of years ago there in Los Angeles, said he came there to Angeles Temple one time and was holding meetings, and he said, sometimes, not always, but sometimes he'd get up and start off and just simply wouldn't make sense. He'd just stumble around, you know, and then the anointing would come upon him and look like he's turned into another man. Just absolutely Looked like he's turned into another man. I remember reading just, just a few days before he went home to be with the Lord in 1947 that they had him again. You see, he didn't really ever belong to any Pentecostal group. He just preached for all of them. But uh, they'd have him every year there in England at the General Conference of the Assemblies of God. And, and, and some of the brethren said, Howard Carter said it, Donald G. said it. And, and, and even the year... When he's 87, just a few weeks before he went home to be with the Lord, they had him to speak again. They said, we wanted to expose our younger ministers to this prophetic ministry, the anointing that came upon him. Let them see. And, and, and folks tell me that there was such a difference when that anointing came. He just looked like he's turned into a different person. Well, thank God for the anointing. I said, thank God for the anointing. Praise God forevermore. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus here, something about the anointing of the prophet. I'm well satisfied that we get into a difficulty in this area because we fail to read what the Bible says and we try to perform when the anointing's not there. Are you listening to me now? I want you to notice that Jesus said about his own ministry and he called himself a prophet here in this fourth chapter of Luke's gospel. And then he used an illustration that these Jews well knew about from the Old Covenant. He said first, he said, you're going to say to me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. In other words, the works that we've heard that you've done in Capernaum, let's see you do them here. Let's see you do them here. More or less a challenge for him to do it. He said, I say unto you verily, I said, you no prophet except in his own country. And then he said, I tell you it was truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, city of Sidon, to a woman that was a widow. You remember, he went into her house, and there the working of miracles was manifested to him. The oil crew just kept giving out oil, and the meal barrel just kept getting out meal. But he just couldn't go into anybody's house and do that. Did you notice that? Did you notice what it said then? 
about Elisha the prophet. In the days of Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel, and none of them were healed. Now, this man had a reputation of having a healing ministry. Because that little maiden said, when she found out her master had the leprosy, I would God he was in the land of Samaria, there's a prophet of God that could cure him of his leprosy. Now you understand I'm talking about ministering under the anointing? You understand this today, we know the word of God and anybody could teach people what the Bible says and they could believe what the Bible said and be healed of anything they had. Isn't that right? Without any manifestation of God's uh, miraculous ministry gifts are spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. Now, for instance, I want to give you an illustration. We have healing school every afternoon. One of our staff taught it today. I, if I'm there, I teach. Every afternoon, Monday through Friday, five days a week. School of healing, we call it. Now, we have, we just got, a, got two more in. We have now 13. We've been running, we're in a third year. But 13 people with terminal cancer. When I, we have other cancer people healed. I'm not counting them. I mean, these had already been given up by medical science to die. In other words, you've got one of them that said you've got a month to live. Another one that said you've got three months to live. Another one that said you've got six months. Like, for instance, MD Anderson Hospital right here in Houston had said to one young man, you've got exactly one month to live. One month. He's still alive today after two years. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Now, you, you, this young man came and I was just teaching and gave my own testimony how I was healed just teaching the word. You know, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Nobody ever prayed for him. I never laid a hand on him. He had been to three different cancer clinics including MD Anderson all of them said the same thing to him you'll be dead in one month but blessed be God he just sat there and said well that sounds reasonable to me he is 27 years old in college preparing to be a lawyer I'll just accept it by faith by faith he accepted and left and was healed well that's no manifestation of spiritual gifts no anointing particular to minister to him other than to teach the word you see but he believed the word he believed the word. Now then another day, I'm going to get to that corporate anointing in a minute, when folks got in one spirit. And I'll tell you, the anointing was there. My, 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 I looked back across the crowd and I could see it, just like a cloud hanging over the heads of the people. Literally see it. I said, I'll tell you, the presence of the power of God is so real here. All you got, you don't need anybody to lay hands on. Just accept it. Well, we had a lady sitting there that was on her way to the Mayo Clinic. Her doctors were sending her to the Mayo Clinic. Six months before, they had operated on her thyroid and accidentally slit her esophagus. And in this six months' time, she had had 11 operations on her. There's 11 different incisions. Her neck was just a solid mass of incisions. They'd operated on her 11 times. She still can't swallow. She hadn't swallowed in the six months' time and had lost 90 pounds. They had a tube running through her nose down in her stomach, in which they could put some fluid into her stomach, you know. And that's what kept her going. She had all of her records with her. On her way to the Mayo Clinic, decided to stop by there. I said, the power's here. The glory's here. There was a corporate anointing. The very atmosphere is charged with the power of God. All you got to do is receive it. She just looked up and said, I receive it. Praise God. And reached up and pulled that tube out of her nose. Hallelujah. And was healed. Went across the street there from the school to Mexican house, you know, Monterey house. And, and had two Mexican dinners. 
Brother, you know she must have been healed. When you haven't had a bite of solid food in your stomach for six over six months and eat two Mexican dinners. <laughs> Amen. You see? Was instantly healed. Well, praise God for that corporate anointing. I'm going to get to that just in a moment here now. But now, another time, here was a lady, her testimony. She's a second year student now, in, uh, going to second year to Rima. Her testimony is recently in the Word of Faith. Recently, she is on the 700 Club, you know, and gave her testimony. She came from Georgia. Her husband brought her. She's been operated on twice uh, for cancer. And now then, they said it spread all over every gland of her body, her blood, cancer of the bone, cancer of the liver, cancer of the colon, both of her lungs, her blood, her bones, the whole thing you can't, you know, I mean, that's it. You've had it. So her husband brought her up there. Now, I did not know her. The other day I checked up, how many are here? Stand up that you've come in especially for healing school. Well, a group of folks stood. I said, all right, tell us where you're from. And so we had people, what was it, 29 different states and three foreign countries. Praise God. Well, I, 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 see, I saw the woman sitting there. And, and so uh, let me show you something about the prophet's ministry now. I, I don't operate there all the time. Did you notice these fellows didn't? Elijah and Elisha didn't all the time. And so... Uh, uh, suddenly, though, I'm just teaching the Word. You see, I'm a teacher, so I can, I can operate in that office all the time. Praise God. And, and suddenly, I had, you know, I'm just teaching the Word, and I had what I call a mini-vision, M-I-N-I, vision. And I saw this lady standing out in the aisle, and I saw myself point to her. See, me standing on the platform. See, be healed, name's in. I saw her go over backwards. I saw a man standing in the aisle over here. I saw another man over there. So I just stopped and acted that out. I do that quite frequently just stopped and acted that out. And I said to this lady, I didn't know who she was, didn't know what was wrong with her, didn't know she's from Georgia, I've already told you about it, I did not know that. I said, stand in the aisle. And I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. She went over backwards. I said to this man st sitting here close to the aisle, stand in the aisle. He stood in the aisle and I said, be healed in the name of Jesus. Only time I've ever done it. Don't know whether I'll ever do it again or not. I will if the Lord says so, but he's never said so again. In fact, he didn't say so then, I just saw it. You know, I'm sitting there, standing there teaching with my eyes wide open, saw it. And he went over backwards. I did the same thing as the fellow over here. Now, I don't even see, I, that was the beginning. I know that. But see, I might, she could have done it for Pethi, Chikani, Stangli, Judas, Stafra, Prophet, Reiki, Ekali, Bodhisattva. Elishushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushushush
manifesting, you know what I mean? Uh, and I didn't even know this happened. So I would tell this, and my workers would tell me, the, our staff would tell me, said, Brother Hagin, why don't you ever tell all of it? I said, is there more to tell? Well, they said, yes. Yeah. said, you leave that lady lying back there in the floor. Well, I said, wasn't that the end of it? And I wouldn't believe one of them. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I got another one, and then and I got the third one. The Bible said about two or three women. I said, are they telling this right? I had no knowledge. After all three of them convinced me, then it's like maybe a dream you had one time, you know. And, and you say, well, I've got a little faint recollection. And so my workers tell me, my workers tell me that, see, this lady got up out of the floor, and then I called her down here. And I have no more knowledge of that than anything in the world. And then when she came down here, they told me, said, we never saw you act that way before in our life. I said, man, you jumped off of that platform and, and, and grabbed that woman, you know, like a cat grabbing a mouse. <laughs> and you shook her shoulders and said, death, I command you to leave this woman in the name of Jesus. I command her blood to be healed. I command her bones to be healed. I command the, the cancer. I, I command it to die, be dead, in the name of Jesus Christ. I command every cell of her body to be healed. And said, then she fell over the second time under the power of God to leave there at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and you read her testimony. She went right back to the doctor. They couldn't find a trace of the cancer. It all disappeared. <laughs> now, I have no knowledge of doing that. But you see, the anointing came. Oh, thank God forevermore. I said, thank God forevermore. Thank God forevermore. Praise God for the anointing. Well, there's anointing upon the teacher. There's an anointing upon the pastor. Oh, thank God for that anointing. Now, I, I, I'm not a pastor. I, wasn't, I did pastor, but I wasn't anointed to pastor. God just permitted me to, and I learned a lot. I say sometimes I think every pastor ought to be forced out on the field to evangelize or be or in field ministry for at least two years, and then he'd learn something. And he'd know how to entertain evangelists and special speakers. And then, on the other hand, I think every evangelist, every field minister ought to be forced into pastoring at least two years. And then they wouldn't say a lot of things they say sometimes. Amen? Are you listening to me? But now, I wasn't a pastor. That's not my calling. And that's what the Lord said to me. Why, well, I, I was fasting and praying, waiting on why am I so dissatisfied? He said, well, I never did call you the pastor to begin with. And yet I recognize that anointing. I don't have it. Never did have it. But I recognize that anointing on others. Thank God for that anointing. Thank God for pastor. Thank God for the pastoral office. It's, it's my hats off to those gentlemen. Praise God forevermore. But now then, let me get here. My time slipped away from me. Oh, I don't know what to do. Because it's going to take some time to get into that corporate anointing. Maybe we better get back to that in the morning. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.